you know, that cat's come in this room like eight times. Eight times that cat has opened that door. So much so that I almost want to let her record the intro, but I'm not going to. Why? Because it's my show. I record the intro. Greetings, fellow slingers. This is your trusted GM, Brian, welcoming you once again to the show. You know, this episode marks a slight divergent in our regular scheduled narrative format. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in this episode, I introduce the character of our newest hard slinger, David Radke, and we do it as a uh, as a prelude, as a prologue, and that is exactly what it is. Episode 31, the prologue. He and I, we sat down, and we started originally coming up with this idea, and then we just kind of started talking about other things before we began the role play aspect of it. And he had asked me, "Hey, are you uh, are you recording this?" I said, "No, actually, I'm not." He's like, "You know what? Let's let's record our." back and forth banter. I said, you know what? That's a great idea. So I hit record and we started talking about this awesome game that we play. We talked about the podcast. We talked about how the sausage was made and used and all that other happy crappy. And so all I got to say is please be patient as we go through about 15 minutes of our banter back and forth as we work our way up to the actual role play of this prologue. And that is exactly what it is. Episode 31, the prologue. So Warm up your dice and top off your glass as Roll the Hard 20 Podcast presents episode 31, The Prologue. <laughs> Enjoy, everybody. Don't forget, smash that like bell on whatever podcast app you listen to the show on. Leave us that five-star rating and review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20 and check out that Patreon. We love you. Take care. Bye-bye. So, so the whole thing with me, um, for those late comers, because I just hit record, I was talking to David about, um, by the way, David is our newest hard slinger of World Hard 20 podcast. I got it. Yeah, there you go, babe. I got to tell you, I've wanted to get David on this show for so long. And the only thing that really kept us away from one another was the fact that he lived on the East Coast and World Hard 20 was on the West Coast. I am now on the East Coast. We've modified our time zones to accommodate each other. And now he is finally on the show. Anyways, we were talking about what we had originally um, envisioned for Roll the Hard 20 podcast. As far as uh, when I started deciding which kind of uh, edition or what kind of system I should say to run for the show. And Kushu was one of the original hard slingers. And I had discussed this at length about what we wanted to do. And I really wanted to make it a, a Pathfinder podcast. And he thought that uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5e would be the way to go because he had chased down some analytics and he said, well, you know, there's all these people for people that can't see me, my hands are huge splayed apart. There's all these people listening to 5e. And then he said, there's like a smaller amount and I'm holding my hands about an inch and a half apart of people listening to Pathfinder 1e. And I said, okay, I get, I get it. Okay, so we'll go the 5e route. The problem with that is that the 5e fan base is so saturated with so many different shows that we eventually just became white noise amongst all those other ones, especially people that were working for, say, Geek and Sundry or Paizo or anybody else that had some kind of 
affiliation that was helping to promote their 5e games whereas you take uh the one shows that really hit a lot of gold which is kind of how i started following pathfinder was listening to another podcast called no direction and they had interviewed the gm for the glass cannon podcast troy lavalley and uh puts on a great show he's a he's an amazing gm uh really runs a very impressive narrative on the the published podcast yes that k-n-o-w direction for the people at home yes exactly yes. yeah they uh at the time they were doing all things 3.5 and pathfinder related i think that they migrated to pathfinder 2e and they actually i think they changed their hosts it used to be ryan costello and uh, jefferson j thacker were the two hosts i don't know if they still host that show it's been a while but there was another pathfinder podcast i used to listen to called um finding the path and i've heard uh, that yeah, yeah they, it's they, the one where they're doing the egypt stuff i think yeah yeah they're doing the mummy like mask that. and it's yeah, yeah it's a pretty interesting show as well and they're both now affiliated with paizo and i i like seeing that kind of stuff i like seeing podcasts that that come up from the grassroots and and make a good name for themselves you know they actually make it i mean people that have started off in their living rooms recording around microphones that they borrowed or whatever and even though their audio may not be tight it's, they're it's still funny. running the a dynamic very inter- yeah, no, the dynamic between their their guys are just it's incredible i mean to watch these guys or watch them to listen to them do their sure. things it's just hilarious it reminds me a lot of when uh i used to play in high school and junior high and stuff and and even in my 20s and just some of the banter that we would have and you know stuff like with chris who's now on the show as well and my hard slingers of your sam and tony when we run our delta green and stuff i mean it's the same kind of uh, dynamic, and I that's so I like listening to shows like that. But I, I kind of digressed. So I got an itchy nose right here. I mean, it's all dry. And what are you dry. doing for the show? Hey, yeah, right. No, it's uh, <laughs> for some reason Florida has been really dry these past couple of weeks. No rain. It has. My grass isn't growing, and I'm not complaining. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing was that. So we went with a five e podcast, and I was really uh, not seeing the numbers I liked, but I was also running a homebrew. And I was thinking, well, maybe we should do something else. Maybe we should do a published uh, adventure path because I think that people would have a greater tendency to follow along if they already had it or they ran it before and they want to see how somebody else runs it. And so we took the reins with the carrying crown. And that's actually how you and I met. Was yes, you had inquired how I had uh, ran the, the Harrowstone prison with the, the five ghosts that were in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how I had done it or whatever. And it was awesome talking to you. dropped you a hot one on the, on the show and the prequel and everything. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm liking that people are listening to this show. And it made me, made me happy to know that. And so, but we were still doing it as a 5e conversion. And just as a, like a side note on that, one of my characters had done something really, really weird. Um, when you introduce the books, if anybody knows the, carrying crown thing um his character was a cleric of phrasma and for whatever reason the book was like not what his deity would like so he took the book and ran away from the party and i at that point i ended things of the session and we weren't recording it was just us playing but i'm thinking who can i talk to about this because i have no idea really i don't like to use the word problem problem player but the guy just had a very strong 
like I'm just going to do whatever I want to screw this up kind of thing. And um, so I reached out to Brian and I was like, dude, Hey, I'm a big fan. I've been listening da, 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 da. you know, what do you think about this? And you were like, uh, oh, you know, maybe the priest could say something. Cause he's kind of like an acolyte of the priest and that kind of stuff. So, um, it was, it was cool for me, not only that I was able to reach out to somebody that was doing this, but I was getting like actual advice from somebody that had gone through the, the, um, the path and stuff. Um, so that was, that, that was cool for me. And as, as for me, I was, I was enthralled to, to have somebody inquire. And it made me realize that people were listening to the show and to, to change gears slightly. When I was running some of my Delta green shows, I, I had people ask yes. me how I put together victim of the art. I think I had three different people ask me at different times. And I, so I sent them my notes on that. And I was like, Oh, nice. you know, I'll just send you the zip with all the, with all the, the, what do you call those? Uh, like not really handouts, but visual representations of stuff. So it was kind of cool to have people ask about that too. In fact, just the other day I was looking at, um, at our analytics on YouTube and it said that our number one show that has been seen more than any other show was uh, future perfect part one. It had been seen like 150 something times. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's like nuts. I mean, I'm sure like probably not to some other people, but to me, I think that's cool. You know, I, we only have so many, so many people listening to or watching the show on YouTube. So subscribe to our YouTube channel at roll the hard 20 smash that like bell. subscribe to the channel. Cause we love YouTube. <laughs> Why not? Oh yeah. But we do. Um, I think we were just kind of digressing before we began doing a, a little prologue here, but we were talking about how we, we settled in on whatever, addition or system that we decided to run right now. And right now we're currently running a Pathfinder 1E uh, for our Dragon's Demand run through. And that's because I think uh, in the purest form, I think that's how Paizo envisioned this AP to be ran. And that's how they designed it. And I think that it would benefit the listeners to listen to it like that. And I think I had mentioned something about the homebrew versus published. I think it's easier for people to follow along if you have a published AP and if they're following along with it in the mechanics that it was originally written in. I tried to do this with, um, what is it called? Agents of edge watch, which is a pathfinder two uh, path. That was for my podcast. And I brought it back to pathfinder one and it wasn't bad, but it's just different, you know? And when they're introducing things and the way that money is in pathfinder two versus pathfinder one, um, you know, like if you have one gold in Pathfinder 2, you're like rich, like you just won the lottery. Whereas in Pathfinder 1, you got one gold, you're basically like living on the street. Um, it, so just little stuff like that, because I'd be wanting to give them more and stuff like that, because, you know, Pathfinder also is a game about combat strategy and resource management. And if you're not giving them enough, they're going to get to level four and they're going to get destroyed because they haven't been able to get enough magic items and stuff like that where they can yeah. be stronger. I think one of the things with with most of their APs is that they always drop these things in their initial dungeons yes. and whatnot, like in the Blood Valve Lair of the Dragon's Demand run through. They, there were a few different uh, wands of Cure Light Wounds. There was uh, potions here and there. Oh, lesser restoration. Maybe you'll need that yeah. in three rooms. <laughs> they, they, Who knows? Yeah, they'll have like a couple of uh, merchants in town, different ones that have different things for sale once you get enough GP. 
but as far as the monsters are concerned, they 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 run an analog with from system to system or edition to edition, because everybody's bolstering up. You know, is first level character may be weak in this one system compared to this system, mm-hmm. but the monster that you'll fight, which is the same monster at the lower edition, would still be compatible with the one E character, versus like a Pathfinder goblin and a Pathfinder PC versus a, a first edition or a basic. Uh, edition D&D goblin versus a, a level one uh, individual from that basic box set, you know, who only has like five hit points or something like that. It still works on, on that level. Sure. Sure. I was just kind of like finding different NPCs from the pay, pay, Paizo, 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 Eric Mona's website and uh, oh, just okay. downloading them and using them um, just interchangeably. But um I I feel your pain, and you will <laughs> all night long. Well, without any further delay, let's jump on into this prologue, shall we? Glasses on, Dempsey. You've only been in Belheim less than an hour when the rumor mill begins to envelop you with news about the witch towers collapsing. You joined the township as they made their way to the collapsed tower, and you watched as a woman known as the Baroness requisitioned a group of people on the spot to enter the ruins and find out what happened. Sure, the gold she offered them had sweetened the deal, but they went in just the same, and you watched as they climbed the ruins and descended out of view. One by one, the townsfolk returned to Belhain, and you along with them. You had just recently rented a room at the Wise Piper Inn when the proprietor told you what the weekly what the weekly yeah, what the weekly rate is. You said you'd take it night by night. A few hours later, news drifted its way to you that it had been discovered that Cabolds had brought the tower down, along with the old wizard Hung Clay, whom the Baroness had been at odds with. You were also informed that she sent the same group to the old quarry to handle the Cabold menace. As the day began to wane, a rumor reached you about a captive of the Cabolds, one Beaufre Malik, who had been rescued by four individuals. But eventually the sun went down, the town got quiet, and no further word was heard about those adventurers. As you lay on your bed, perhaps deciding not to stay another day in town, sleep eludes you. You're a man who knows that his past is never further than the length of his own shadow. And that past begins to play in your mind. You start thinking about what actually brought you to Belhaim, what will push you on to the next town. Maybe what you've been leaving behind, what you need to get back to at some point because honor demands it. When you hear a floorboard creak just outside your door. I'm going to sit up. And uh, he just kind of stretches. And uh, I I kind of imagine he's just laying in bed, undershirt, um, uh, sits up. And uh, you can see he's uh, kind of a lean guy, well-muscled. Um, looks like he knows his way around the weight room a little bit. Long red hair kind of comes down to um, about, the, about his chin and um, just kind of cracks his neck almost out of habit but you could just audibly hear that as he pops 
and um, trying to be as quiet as possible. He's going to get out of bed and walk over to the door and kind of listen. Does he hear anything? As he's listening at the door, it's quiet on the other side. But as you look down, concentrating for your ears to hear, you notice that there's a a light that kind of wavers under the threshold of the door as though something is illuminated on the other side. When I just do like, like he clenches his hand and when he does it, you just hear just that, that nasty, you know, the, the, the clench of the, the knuckles, just nasty. Bruce Lee clenched knuckle snap. And it's like each one goes at the same time, but slightly individual. So it's like, almost like a robotic and a quick look out the window to make sure that nobody's there. And he's going to open the door just ready with that. The, the fist right, right in the crack of the door and you look see, to see, you see a weathered old man standing there eyes, the size of saucers at this imposing figure standing in front of him, the candle in his hand wavers slightly. Even the, the flame kind of licks in towards the door as you pulled it open so fast that the wind drags it slightly in. The old man kind of hesitates for a moment and says, I am Heinrich. I was sent by the Baroness Devi to retrieve you. It would be her pleasure to make your acquaintance at her manor. Uh, Dempsey's going to do a quick look to see if anybody else is behind the old man. There's nobody else, not behind him, not to either side in the hallway. So he just quick observation and he just says, is that right, Grandpa? <clears throat> Excuse the accent, I'm still working on it. C- come on in, Grandpa. And he opens the door and he kind of puts his arm around him and uh, just like puts his arm around his shoulder and asks him to come in the room. Still a little bit cautious. He slowly makes his way into your room. He's just a like a frailish old man. He kind of reminds me of a who was Archer's butler. Oh yes, uh, I don't know the name. I know exactly. I can't, who you're I can't about. remember his name. Uh, He's like the evil Alfred. Yeah, and that that's who he reminds me of. Just this this weathered old man with rings under his eyes, aged beyond his ears. His years. Tousses of hair just barely hanging in there. Dempsey's like, "What? What are you doing out there? It's it's freezing. Come on in, take a seat." I was sent by the Baroness to retrieve you and bring you back to her manor. She has manners. She has important information that she'd like to talk to you about. Does she want me to come right now? If it would please you to do so, that would be the best. And you're talking about like the Baroness, the Baroness. She wants to see me. The Baroness Origena Devi of Belheim. Yes, she wants to talk to you right now. And right now it's it's probably about 11, 1130 at night. It's okay. it's deep night at this point. Um, so Dempsey is just kind of nods and he grabs, you know, starts putting on his armor. You know, he's pretty much just going to take everything because um, as a cautious person, he's not wanting to leave anything in this inn. Um and uh, as, when he gets his cloak on, pulls the cloak on deep over his eyes. So all you see is that like underneath his brim of his hat. Um, and you see see those deep like 
paranoid eyes. All right, then. Lead the way. He leads you down the stairs of the Wise Piper Inn. Leads you out in front. And together, the both of you travel Canticleer Road. Now, being night, it's dark, barely a moon out in the sky. The dirt road itself is extremely quiet. You could hear the soft chittering of insects all through the whole land. And he takes you all the way to the eastern part of town. And across How's, uh, how's um, sorry, his name is Heinrich? Yes, yeah. Hein Heinrich. Heinrich. So Dempsey kind of like offers us his arm. Because he's like an old dude, kind of, you know, out of respect. It is most appreciated. I don't get that kind of appreciation in the service of the Baroness. Thank you. And he leads you over the bridge that spans over the Verduran Fork River. As you start making your way onto the old quarry road, at about 25 feet, he turns you towards the south. And as you start moving up this dirt road, you see a large uh, edifice building off to your left. Back in the uh, earlier in the day, you remember this as being the the old mortuary house. And he leads you past that towards a large manor on a hill. Okay, I was going to say, can I do a sense motive? He's leading me out to this weird quarry. He, he's I'm going to let you meet your new friends. <laughs> he leads you up to this large manor and he doesn't even knock at the door. He actually lifts his hand up, grabs the knob and turns it and opens the door wide. You see a spanning foyer. You see rooms off to the sides and, and a large sweeping staircase that leads up. And at the top, you see a female holding a single candle in a white nightgown with her hair tied back for the evening, looking down at you and she says, it'll be all Heinrich, Heinrich. Please, sir, if you'd be so kind as to follow me up here, I believe mm. there's something you and I can discuss. Just just a minute, ma'am. And uh, this is like the biggest house he's ever been in and probably the nicest, for sure, the nicest house he's ever been in. So uh, he kind of pauses at the door and he's like, just a moment, I'll be right there. And um, he like kicks off his boots. Um, like he doesn't want to get mud in here. He doesn't want to show any disrespect. That won't and, be um, necessary, sir. I'll be more than happy to clean it up after you're gone. It is my service to do so. When he says that, he just kind of looks, he looks at Heinrich and he's like, no, I, I wouldn't feel right about it. It's easier for me to just take the shoes. Please, sir, time is of the essence. We don't have a lot of time to discuss the business I have at hand. Never mind the dirt. Very well, then. And he walks up to where she is. At the top of the stairs, she turns towards her right, which would be your left, and leads you down a hallway to the first door on the right. She opens it up, and you see that it opens onto a a small reading room. You see there are two bookshelves on either side. You see a small table with two chairs. And you see a larger man standing in the corner. He has a, a youthful face about him, but he's just a, a burly individual. And she says, don't mind my son Arnold. He's, he's always at 
unease when his mother is still awake at night. Please have a seat. Yeah, Mama. I'm always... Shut up. Shut up, Arnold. I'm trying to do some business right now. And she walks over to a chair and Arnold holds it out for her and allows her to sit down. And she gestures towards a chair opposite of her. So as he's walking over to the chair, Dempsey's just like, I understand. I love my very, my, I love my mother very much as well. And uh, he just takes a seat. Yes, man. Th- thank you for asking me to come see you. You may not be thanking me very long, but I'm hoping that we can help one another out. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to ask the four individuals who helped me today to undertake another job for me. And I will pay them well for it, but they may refuse and I need them to accept. And yet I need these individuals to follow my orders to the letter. And I would like to ensure that this happens by employing you in my service to do so. You see, I've done some minor digging about what kind of individual you are and it has not escaped my knowledge when anybody new comes into my town I know exactly who they are I may not know your name I may not know your past but I know your type and I know you must be running from something but I also know you want a better life and I can help you achieve that little gold goes a long way now the first thing that's going to happen tomorrow is i'm going to present to them a job in which they're going to have to go into the dead wizard's home in inventory the items there they are not to touch anything there they're just to inventory it however there is one amongst amongst them that I may have a problem with. And he may not see it that way. He may actually want to, how do you, would you say a little loose finger on some objects in there? It's just his nature. And I would like to see to it that you do two things for me. Number one, help encourage them to do the job. And number two, oversee that they do only the job. I think I understand your meaning, ma'am. And for that, I'll be willing to pay you 150 gold pieces. It should be enough to get you a start wherever you need to go once you leave Belheim right afterwards. And uh, he's a little bit, uh, feels a little bit weird because she said all the stuff about she knows who he is, but she also said he doesn't, she doesn't know his name. So he just gives a look at, uh, Arnold, um, pull an insight check. Insight. This is what Pathfinder, right? Yes, it is. Would this be intelligence? What are we? Uh, go. We'll go wisdom. I don't have my. I do have wisdom. That's an eighteen. Eighteen. From what you can gather, you believe that she is being true about what she has ascertained about you. Now, how she has gathered any of this information or made this judgment eludes you at this moment. 
But when she tells you that she knows you or your past or, or whatnot, but she may not know you by name, she said, but she knows about you, that she's being truthful. Debsy's just thinking back to the last two days, like coming into town and seeing like an old man unloading some hay and like going, hey, you know, let me give you a hand with that. It looks heavy. And like helping somebody across the road, just natural. A um, couple of people trying to get to a fight at the inn that he was in and uh, trying to get him to fight. And uh, he just stood up and walked away. And uh, somebody even like calling him a pussy and he just ignored it. So all those things, he's just thinking, okay, this must be kind of what she's thinking. That's what she's getting back. Um, I'd be happy to help you. I appreciate the job. Well, I look forward to us doing business together and having it come to a conclusion. She reaches her hand across the table towards your hands and she grabs your right hand and she her thumb kind of strums the calluses on your knuckles. Oh, God. I'm glad that we understand each other. And it's not in a sexual way. Mm -hmm. She's just making it known that she knows about your character. <clears throat> I'll have Arnold give you the money. In the meantime, please, as you show your way out, please do so very quietly. No. And at that, she gets up and leaves the room. And you see Arnold, he reaches onto one of the shelves, grabs a bag, sack of something, and kind of lays it in front of you and says, I think you know the way out. Have a good night. And he, he leaves the study as well. So Dempsey stands up and just takes one more look around and seeing books and statues and all this nice stuff that he's never seen before. And um, he just takes the money, puts it inside of his cloak and uh, adjusts it back up, pulls it, pulls the uh, cloak back down over his eyes and walks out. You walk out into the night. Into the night. Moon start to hide behind some clouds. You hear the door softly close behind you. And you stand there thinking about tomorrow, the chore that you're going to have, and at some point having to confront these four individuals and get them to do what you need them to do in the name of the Baroness. And with that, that yeah. we'll see you on episode 31. 32. 32. 30, 32. 30-something. 30 30-something. 30 hey, first roll of the thing, I rolled a 17. You know what, David? This has been awesome. Like I said, I can't tell you how long I wanted you to be on this show. I was describing it to the other guys on the Discord about how, you know, when you when you're trying to bake something and you're trying to make a dish and you try this spice or that spice or this ingredient or maybe some basil or maybe some chive or whatever, and it's you discard this or you bring this in, bring that out, move this around, move that around but you know it when you got it. And I honestly think that the the lineup roster for Roll the Hard 20 podcast, the way it is right now, is amazing. I think this is what we've been looking for. And I gotta say, I know 
for myself and all the other hard slingers that we're really excited to have you on the show. I'm your huckleberry. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. And with that, we'll say good night. Good night.